Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our culture saturated with media and technology. You know, we call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to stay on top of changing technology and then choose how to incorporate that into your family's life. So our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Well, today we're going to be talking about somewhat of a controversial topic, and that's smartphone addiction. A lot of people may call it um, by several different things, but we're going to do a little bit of a series on addiction. And basically, it's what we see in our culture. Many parents come to me and say, my kid is addicted to video games, or my kid is addicted to their smartphone. So we're kind of going to dig in. I've researched this quite a bit and see what is smartphone addiction. We're also going to look into what is internet, social media addiction, gaming addiction, and then pornography addiction. We're going to start with smartphone because the smartphone really encompasses all of those, the internet, um, social media, gaming, and pornography. And then, but we're going to dive in deeper in the next couple of episodes. So today we're going to talk about smartphone addiction. You know, when we get going into this, I think it's important to realize that the smartphone, we all know, is a very useful tool. We can use it for so many things, whether it be from banking to ordering our food online for curbside pickup, which is a very big deal for us right now. We can communicate with such ease with our loved ones and friends. So it can be a really great resource. But nowadays with kids and them having access to pretty much Wi-Fi anywhere they go, and their devices are so personal, it's really on them all the time, if not always in their hands. And they're often alone. And whether they have like a privacy type of screen or they turn their, their brightness way down so no one else can see what's going on there, a lot of times it is just pretty much them and their screen. And then you add in the fact that there's global connections, whether that be through the internet, social media, video games, all of these different apps on the phone give you connections to the world. Some are good, but some can definitely be dangerous. And that's what we are looking at. It's not that the smartphone in and of itself is bad. However, when you combine the fact that we have the young, underdeveloped brain of, we'll say adolescents and teenagers, since the average age to get a smartphone is 10, you combine that underdeveloped brain with the algorithms, the computer learning that goes through these different apps and platforms, the fact that they're on it all the time, they are, they're on it when they're alone. This is definitely why when we see them on it constantly or we feel like they're addicted, this is a concern. We do feel like here at Brave Parenting that a smartphone can be a part of a child's well-balanced life. You have your smartphone, which is a really great tool. Parents like it because they can get in touch with their children. They can maybe track their location. Um, the child can use it for different beneficial purposes. Maybe they're listening to music, but maybe they're using Google Classroom, another learning type of app. Maybe they're listening to audiobooks. There's lots of great things that they can do on there. But we always want that balanced. Their time on their smartphone should always be balanced with physical activity and non-screen hobbies. So whether that be a sport, or maybe they enjoy doing crafts, or they like reading books or playing chess, whatever that activity may be, we also want it balanced with relationships, time face-to-face -to -face together. Yet FaceTime can even work in this time of 
of COVID and the pandemic, FaceTime can work. And that can be part of how that connects the phone with those relationships. But we also want children to be in relationship face-to-face with their family, those inside the family unit, whether it be siblings, mom, dad, grandparents. Those relationships are equally important on top of education and work, whether that be they do have a part-time job, they're over 16, maybe they're just doing chores. All of this type of activity is part of this well-balanced life. It can't just be the screen entertainment or the social media or the video games that's all maybe happening on that smartphone. It needs to be balanced with all of those things, the school, physical activity, the relationships face-to-face. That's our goal. So when we see this as a parent, we see them on it nine hours, 11 hours a day, or maybe it just feels like they're on it all the time. We want to say they're addicted. What I want to do is hopefully let's get an idea of what real smartphone addiction is, or really let's define addiction period altogether. So the Merriam-Webster defines addiction as a compulsive need for and a use of a habit-forming substance characterized by tolerance and physiological symptoms upon withdrawal. So the smartphone isn't necessarily a substance, but we can definitely see in our kids that, and us, if we're honest, right, it happens to us as adults as well, there can be a compulsive need for that smartphone. And if any of you have ever taken a phone away from a child, you can see that there are often physiological symptoms upon the withdrawal of that device from them. When we think about that compulsive need, let's always look at us first. I mentioned, you know, we can feel that if we've maybe left for work one day and you forgot your phone or you went to go run an errand and you realize that you left your phone on the counter, you as an adult even feel that absence. What if I need it? What if someone tries to contact me? Well, our kids are definitely going to feel that way considering that this is the main thing that they know in their life. That's their, their tether and their connection. But have you also maybe felt that compulsive need? where you don't even know why, you just sit down at your computer and start looking at the internet or start looking at social media, even though you have other things to do. So even though we may experience that as well, and so may our kids, it it may be part of the addiction equation, but we have to recognize because we're maybe in the same area, it's not necessarily addiction for our kids. So let's look at another definition. The American Society of Addiction Medicine says that addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, and memory-related circuitry. And then it goes on to define it a little bit more, but I think that's important when we say that it's a brain reward, motivation, and memory. Because we think that we are really in control of our habits, but these apps, let's just say social media, for example, there's a lot of artificial intelligence and computer learning going on inside of these apps. Anytime we get a like, we get a reward inside of our brain. If someone new follows us, a reward, positive chemicals goes off in our brain, and then we are motivated to achieve that reward again, which constantly brings us back inside of the app. And it may not even be social media apps. So many different apps that we use as an adult also have rewards. Starbucks. Maybe you use that Chick-fil-A, another common one that you can earn all of these different rewards. So many different businesses have a sort of reward system to sort of motivate you to constantly come back and use that service or to engage with them business-wise or just to 
like social media, engage in that feed. And then your memory, this becomes such a memory thing that you do it unconsciously. This can also go towards video games where you um, find a loot box or something that gives you this reward and that keeps you wanting to play the game. So these type of intermittent rewards are definitely impacting our brain. We can't look at apps, websites, platforms, video games as these neutral type of products out there that are not affecting us because they are affecting our brain reward, motivation, and memory. So again, when we say to our kids, oh, they're so addicted, they can't put the phone down, we have to recognize that not only are we impacted by the artificial intelligence and computer learning of some of these apps, but our kids, again, young, underdeveloped brains are even more so impacted by this to a point where they may not even recognize it or be able to stop it themselves. And then the third definition that I like to include, it's not super clinical, but it is dictionary.com. And they say that addiction is the state of being enslaved to a habit or practice, to something that is psychologically or physically habit-forming to such an extent that cessation causes severe trauma. Again, if we go back to the um, taking away the smartphone from, say, a 13-year-old girl, especially right now during um, the pandemic, maybe they are just relying on that smartphone so much for their connection to the world, that could actually cause severe trauma. I've heard so many parents tell me the, you know, the fallout of what has happened when they take their child's phone away. It would be considered trauma based on what their parents are seeing. And then we have this idea of being enslaved to a habit. So many of us, whether we are standing in line at a grocery store, whether we have a few minutes to kill while our child runs to the bathroom and we're waiting to leave, we just pull out our phones and we just look at something, whether that be email, whether it be text message, whether it be social media, we look at something just to fill that little bit of time. That, to me, I feel enslaved to that habit. It's hard for me to break. I love this quote when we look at smartphones as a whole. When nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. And this is one of those questions that they really ask adolescents and teens on whether or not they could be suffering from a smartphone addiction or this term of nomophobia, which is the irrational fear of being without your mobile phone or being able to use it for some reason because maybe you don't have a signal or you're running out of battery. So this nomophobia is this sort of newly defined term. In fact, it was actually the 2018 Cambridge Dictionary Word of the Year so it's definitely been around for a couple of years now. But it's this, right, enslaved to this habit where there's nothing occupying my attention. Or I definitely think it's true for us and our children. What is occupying my attention is boring or I'm tired of it or I need a break. And so we, the first thing we do is we reach for our phone. That is really what's happening. And it's really led to this idea that we are living in a, a world of continuous partial attention. Our attention, as long as that phone is before us, is in our pocket or it's somewhere on our our physical body or close by, we are only partially engaged with our activity in front of us or the relationship in front of us because that phone, we can feel its presence. The University of Texas at Austin actually did a study a few years ago that showed that the mere presence of a smartphone 
decreases cognitive ability, your ability to actually achieve a a sort of skill test is so much less if your phone is even in your pocket or laying face down on the table where you're doing this test. Whereas if you didn't have the phone at all, all the participants actually achieved better, higher scores. So the presence of it, it's as though trying not to think about your phone is actually taking up energy that you could put towards your activity. So you know it's there, or you're thinking, is someone texting me back? Did anybody like my post? That process, that brain process, actually takes up so much brain energy that we cannot put it towards our relationships. We cannot put it towards our studies. We cannot put it towards you know the, the other physical activities or non-screen hobbies that we may have. We're always partially giving our attention to our phone and then to something else. And these sort of digital transactions that we are giving, whether they be through a short text here, an answer to an email here, a, a comment on a post, and we kind of do these little digital transactions all day long. And it, on the surface, makes us feel connected. But deep down, it's really sort of depersonalized. We've never deeply connected with anyone most of the time. I mean, there's always exceptions. But those sort of digital transactions is a real depersonalized way of actually connecting. So without that balance, without that physical activity, those face-to-face relationships, um, the education aspect of it or work aspect of it really leaves us feeling sort of broken. And that brokenness can actually lead us where? Right back to the phone because the brain reward, motivation, and memory that is going on. So we talk about addiction. It's important to realize just as though it may be with an alcoholic or someone who's abusing drugs or someone who may have a gambling problem, it really can be, even with the smartphone, something that they are not going to be able to recognize on their own or even stop on their own. So when it comes to our kids, is it? I mean, is it really addiction or is it overuse? You know, a lot of commentary on the internet around all of this and even in the medical arena says, well, is it really addiction? Is it overuse or is it just problematic use? Is it just for a time or a phase of their lives and they're going to grow out of it? And that is a big question. But again, we have to notice and recognize that the smartphone encompasses a whole lot of addictions. So we can't just say that, oh, our child's addicted to the smartphone. I mean, if, they, if we say, oh, they're just addicted to their relationships, they just love communicating with their friends and they're always doing that. Well, that doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing. It's what they're doing on their smartphone that is more of the concern, especially for us as parents. This is why monitoring our children's activity is really important. Yes, we want to give them their privacy, but using something that is keeping track of how many hours they're spending on it per day, per week, and where that time is going is important in recognizing whether or not our child actually has a problem or they're just overusing this tool, especially during a time like right now, summer, pandemic. And so maybe it's not really a problem, but something that we can just have a conversation about and maybe together try and draw some boundaries. So the smartphone, yes, it can have the internet addiction. And that may be, I kind of include like maybe the news aspect. Right now, news is almost to a level of entertainment. Um, And there's so much news going on right now, whether it be about COVID or inequality or just you name it. There's tons of things that can enthrall you and really draw you in 
Now they kind of call it this doom scrolling, where you're reading so much news, even negative news, that it, it's just wearing you down and taking you into sort of a depressed or anxious, lonely state. So there's internet addiction that's possible on the smartphone. There's, of course, the gaming. Most video games are played on a PC, but if a child is playing PC games or games on an Xbox or PlayStation, but they also have that another set of games on their phone, there could be a problem if they're playing tons of time at home, but then also tons of time on their phone. It may not necessarily be an addiction to one game, but this idea of I don't like reality and video games is like my choice of reality. I'd rather live inside these video games where I have control than be engaged in real life. So that could be that problem. Of course, social media, that's um, definitely a whole um, encompassed addiction that um, goes back to that brain reward, motivation, and memory. Again, 80% of social media accounts are all accessed from the smartphone. So definitely the core place that social media addiction can be happening is through the phone. We can also have the pornography addiction, of course, happening. Um, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I know Pornhub states over 80% of their content is being viewed from the mobile device now, where before, um, throughout the past uh, maybe decade of their rise in use, a lot of it was on the home computer, and now it is primarily through the mobile device. And of course, there could also be shopping addictions, gambling addictions, all through that, not to mention that the phone can give you easy access to um, drugs. If you were, um, you could contact different people to find out where you could underage, you know, buy these illicit drugs. So the smartphone really holds all of that. That's why it's important, again, for us as parents to be engaged enough, at least. You know, I hear from a lot of parents, I don't have time to check on my kids' phones and, and monitor all that they're doing on the internet. Like, I have a work a full-time job, my wife works a full-time job, or, you know, whichever that is, something simple like iOS screen time telling you where they're using their time can give you a clue into what is really going on in your child's life. If their text messages are the number one thing that they're using, probably not necessarily a pornography or a social media problem. However, if social media is taking up 10 hours of their day, definitely a place for a conversation. If a video game is taking up all that time, similarly, conversation. So just a, a few stats, you know, we mentioned nomophobia before. 66%, this is actually a stat from two years ago, so I'm, I would probably say even more of us now would claim this, but 66% of our American culture claims that they suffer from nomophobia. And that is that irrational fear of either not having your phone or being unable to use it because the battery's going to die, or it's already dead, or you don't have a signal. I always think about when I'm in Costco, maybe if you shop at Costco, you feel this too. It's such a, a concrete warehouse that I never can get a signal inside there to call or text home to say, oh, did we need this or did we need that? And I always laugh and think to myself, I should have known this because I know inside Costco, I cannot get a signal. Um, but it's definitely not a fear, right? But if there was that, then it would definitely fall into that category of nomophobia. 72% of our American society remain within five feet of their phone at all times. If you look at our younger generation, our teens, our adolescents, I would say that most of them are, it's in their hand, right, most of the time. 
66% say that they sleep next to their phone. I do hope that that 44% is our young people, our adolescents and our teenagers who are not sleeping next to their phone. If you can do one thing for your child, and that is to take their phone at night and allow them to get good quality, uninterrupted sleep. And 20% during um, a survey at one point, uh, 20% of people said they would rather go shoeless for a week than to give up their smartphone. And I think that now, especially in this pandemic time, we are probably even more extreme. We have become very, very dependent on our devices to not only do our work virtually, to communicate with people, it's been our lifeline, but it's important for us as parents to maybe draw some new boundary lines as school goes back, as virtual learning kicks back up and say, hey, we need to make sure that we're keeping this in check. Yes, the smartphone was really important. It was valuable. We, you know, it saved us, right, during this time. But we need to check what they're doing, how they're spending their time, and draw those lines a little bit. Okay, so we have 50% of our teens who are self-admitting that they are addicted to their phones. The other 50% probably just don't feel like it's addiction. Maybe it's just like, hey, this is my lifeline. Yes, I'm online constantly, but it's not a problem. What are some of those, what are the actual real side effects that we should be concerned about? I mean, yes, we see it. Some parents are just like, hey, it's okay. It's just what it is. Well, there is a lot of psychological issues that could be occurring through this. Bullying, loneliness, anxiety, depression. We know those. That's very common, of course, because of the different apps that are all engaged there in the smartphone. But there could also be debt. It's so easy now to spend money on the smartphone. Apple Pay or shopping, whatever that is, there's just tons of ways. So that could also lead to, that could be a problem. The privacy, you know, how much data are you giving to other companies based on how much you're using the phone? And are you going into those privacy location type of settings and actually limiting the amount of data that Apple or Google is actually pulling from you? Health related wise, you know, I found this statistic interesting. One in six smartphones contain fecal matter. So when we think about just overall health, you know, hopefully now in the pandemic, you've learned to kind of clean your phone a little more often. But I mean, that's kind of a a really gross statistic that we should learn from. Um, But not only that, right? So the amount of time that you're looking at your screen can cause increased headaches, impaired vision, fatigue, the decrease in sleep, the decrease in memory and your ability to focus. Those are all problems that are very real and noted. Um, Also, distracted driving can lead to accidents. So these are are real physical, psychological, emotional problems that can result from overuse or problematic use or even addiction to the smartphone. So what are our solutions? Well, the first thing is, so I always say this is the, the core of brave parenting is it starts with us. We have to make sure that we are not in a smartphone addiction, a problematic or Overusage of our smartphones. So that's what our children are seeing. We don't want that at all. So we're going to check ourselves first and apply all of these to us, what what needs to be. And then we're going to do the same for our kids. So, one, we're going to look at how we're spending our time on our phone. If you don't already have screen time or another app called Moments that actually tracks how many times you're opening a phone per day and where you're spending your time on your smartphone, do that and actually track it for a week or two. So you can get a good idea. Am I using this as a tool 
Or is this a problem? Am I overusing this? Is my usage on this problematic so much so that it could interfere with my relationships with my child? And then we're going to delete those distracting apps. Maybe it's a social media. You don't have to always have social media on your actual phone. It's very convenient. But maybe if that's a problem, you only are using Facebook on your home computer. That may be a good solution. But if they're really that distracting, delete them. Empower yourself and just take them off. And again, we're going to follow suit with our kids. Number two, we can use an actual alarm clock. If our phone is the last thing we see at night and the first thing we see in the morning, and we're constantly going in and saying, what did I miss? What did I miss? Who messaged me? You know, who commented on my post? Those are all signs of really smartphone unhealthiness. We should not be this dependent on our phone that it's the last thing we see at night and first thing in the morning. So if we need to use an actual alarm clock, you know, they're still made. You can go to Walmart and get one for like $5. It's totally fine. Do that. Keep your phone somewhere else and really try to read at night or do something else in the morning. Maybe you're exercising first before you look at your phone. Do something other than just jump in to that cycle again. Number three, turn off notifications. I really can't say this one enough. It is so important to, to regain our focus and to stop this continuous partial attention. The notifications, if you were to allow them on all of your social media accounts, as well as text message and maybe the Bible and maybe Chick-fil-A and Starbucks, like you name it, they're all going to send you tons of notifications. And every time you feel that buzz, every time you hear that ding, it's going to take you out of whatever you're focusing on or take you out of that conversation that you may be having with a friend or with your child. And it's going to take part of your attention away. We need to stop that. Pick only truly the most important notifications that you need to receive. Social media notifications should really be nixed all together. Unless you are running a business on social media that you have to be notified when customers contact you or something, the general social, as they say, the very social part of social media, that turn those notifications off. There's no reason you go into that app when you need to or when you want to, not when they are telling you to. All right, number four, another option you can do to sort of make your smartphone a little less appealing is you can turn your screen and all of the apps to black and white. And that's just a feature in the settings that you can do. And it's a triple click on, at least on my iPhone, it's a triple click over on the side button where I would normally turn it off and it turns it to black and white. I can triple click it again and it goes back to color. So if I really want it to not be distracting, um, I can put it, you know, on silent mode. I can put on black and white. And I really don't want to look at this phone today. I don't want to be engaged by the colors. We think, oh, those colors and that brightness doesn't do anything to me. But it truly does. The brain responds to it. And psychologically, that's been proven. We as humans naturally respond to those brightness, the bright colors, the fun aspect of that. So you can turn your screen to black and white to make it less distracting. And then number five is to use those apps or services such as screen time with Apple, or you can use digital well-being with Android. Moment is an app that you can download. It actually was started by the former Um, director of Pinterest. He too found himself just overwhelmed by the smartphone and the apps, left Pinterest and started Moment to kind of help people gain control of how they're spending their time on the smartphone. And another app 
that you can use is called off time. And it's a similar fashion, but turn those features on, analyze your actions, your behavior, how you're spending time on your smartphone, and then sort of categorize it. Am I just kind of maybe overusing it a little bit because I'm bored? Well, you can kind of keep that in check. Or hey, is this a big problem? Do I need to delete these apps? Do I need to sort of take maybe a social media fast? Do I need to just take a smartphone fast, right? Or internet fast? And then after you help yourself, help your children. Make sure that they have those same boundaries and that you're just having healthy conversations about what it looks like to use the smartphone as a tool and not as something that's going to lead you into addictive habit-forming negative habits. We want that well-balanced childhood where the phone is definitely a piece of that puzzle, but we also have physical activity and non-screen hobbies. We have education, work. We also have that physical or that face-to-face relationships with not only our family, but our friends as well. That's all the big puzzle that we want to fit in. And if that piece of the puzzle of the smartphone becomes too big and overtakes it, then we've lost our balance and we've lost the healthiness and really the usefulness of that smartphone. All right, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you learned a little bit and feel encouraged and empowered to go forward and really think about smartphone addiction in a little bit of a different way and apply these tips to yours and your children's life. If you missed anything in the show, you wanna learn more, or if you have a story that you would like to share with us, we would so love to hear it. Email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. You can also find um, a lot more information about all of these different apps and screen time, digital well-being, all of that on our website, braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look how you can build strong character using the technology that children love, pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, that is available on Amazon. And don't forget to subscribe if you are listening on iTunes, Google, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is so you don't miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.